0: I boast of my weakness. For the last few weeks, we've been hearing from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. You remember this is the, well, preceded by it, at least three other letters, the one that we know of in the Bible, we call the first letter to the Corinthians, but also those two letters lost to history, one that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and that other mysterious one, that they wrote back to him when they weren't very nice. But we know the contents alluded to by Paul and what is inspired in the scriptures. Basically, they, the people of Corinth were, were questioning his authority because his life was not easy. They pointed out that he had been imprisoned and stoned and shipwrecked. He had a speech impediment. And as if that weren't enough, he were bald. Sorry, guys. So they said, why would all this stuff be happening to you if you were really blessed by God? And now we get to the very end of his letter. And he has been building up and those preceding 12 chapters, to this. I boast gladly of my weakness. What a strange thing to say. Why would, why would he boast of his weakness? None of us likes to be weak. The, the baker doesn't like her cake to fall, and the builder sure doesn't like to miss the nail and hit his thumb. The, the ball-player surely doesn't like to strike out at the plate, Why would anyone boast of his weakness? But when we do, when we are weak, when we don't hit the bullseye, we have to realize this, that our life is not just about us. I propose that this could be called the week of awkward family reunions. Many of us Americans will be traveling today, this afternoon perhaps, some are already traveling and have come here, others have gone away, for our first gathering of extended family members in the past two years. After the 1045 Mass, I'll be heading out myself, trying to wrap my head around how this is all going to go, but also in the Scriptures. Ezekiel, right, in the first reading. He's not sent to foreign lands to preach the truth, but to his own nation. And he is an unwanted prophet. And that's just a foreshadowing for the gospel. Most obvious with Jesus, the unwanted prophet, returning to Nazareth just after we heard of last Sunday, him healing the two women, Jairus' daughter and the woman with hemorrhages. Now he's going back home. And they, in Nazareth, they, they think they know him. They grew up with him and because they know his relatives. It's interesting, isn't it? it? can sound a little strange to us who know of Mary's perpetual virginity. We, we hear that phrase of his brothers and his sisters. The word in Greek is adelphoi. It could be brethren or brothers and sisters. But I hope you know that it's a word that in the Greek and Aramaic, could have a much broader use as well. Relatives, it could be. We see it used elsewhere in the Scriptures for cousins and aunts and uncles. You need another reminder. If Mary did have other biological children, if James or Joseph or Judas or Simon were actually her sons, well, why, why would Jesus on the cross entrust Mary to John, the beloved disciple. No, they were, they were relatives. Regardless, though, it, it surely felt like an awkward family reunion, and all the more so when that subtle but offhanded jab was given to Jesus. Did you hear it? Is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Oh, don't miss that. That sounds like a a good Catholic phrase to use. Yeah, of course, Jesus is the Son of God and Son of Mary. It's surely true. But in the first century, you were known as the Son of your Father. So by saying not the Son of Joseph, Joseph, but the Son of Mary, they were in an underhanded way questioning the, shall we say, unusual status of his conception. No matter how awkward conversations about pandemics or politics get around the barbecue this afternoon, I assure you that it will not get as awkward as being called the son of Mary was for Jesus. They think they have him figured out. And what is the result? It's important to note. It says that he was not able to perform any mighty deed there apart from curing a few sick people. You see, that dovetails perfectly with the boasting of weakness that Paul does. For the sick, God love them, at least they know they're sick. Jesus wants to cure the physically ill, to be sure, but all the more the issues of the mind and the heart, those that are psychological, those that are spiritual. And so often, when there are issues of the mind and heart, Truth be told, we have a tendency to close off, to be close-minded, hard of heart. But he was able to cure the sick, the physically ill, because at least they were open. They were open to that healing. They acknowledged their weakness. They, to quote Paul, boast of their weakness. Can I tell you something? On a personal note... I'm a little tempted not to go home this afternoon. It occurred to me it would be easier just to stay in town, stay with friends, visit others, even just stay in the rectory. I could control my life if I, if I did that. I love my family, but it's going to be a challenge. It always will be, and so I look to the Gospel And I remember that the Christian life is never just about perpetual isolation. It always, though there are times of isolation, there are times of quarantine, there are times of quiet prayer, it always leads to relationship. Yes, it might be awkward. I might feel weak. But with Saint Paul, we boast gladly of our weakness. For when I am weak, It is then that I am strong.